0: Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Revival Cry. Today, this is your host, Eric Miller, coming to you from Davao City Philippines. Praise the Lord. I want to welcome all of our listeners on Mango Radio, listening from Davao City to Zamwanga City. We're so grateful that you would join us every Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. and also on Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. You can also listen to Revival Cry on our podcast, which can be heard on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, you can always watch Revival Cry on our YouTube channel called Revival Cry with Eric Miller. So thank you for joining us. Praise the Lord. You know, this is exciting week because in a couple days, my family and I are going to be traveling from Davao City, Philippines to miyazaki japan our eldest daughter sierra has desired to be a missionary in japan since she was 14 years old she's 24 now and so much has happened in between these years that we've seen god mature her and prepare her for what he's called her to do and all of our kids we've watched them learn how to hear god's voice and how to walk with him on their own. Obviously, some are younger than others. And, you know, parents, you always have an incredible role that that we play, no matter what age our children are. And if we live as a people of prayer, a people who walk with Jesus, who have godly marriages and families, it makes such an impact in the world. And now we see our kids growing up and preparing to go and do what God has called them to do. It's such a wonderful thing to see. So I want to encourage you today because I have a word on my heart that I want to share. It's called Decentralizing Revival. You know, and as I just shared about our children and the lives that they are living before the Lord... This is why Jesus told us to go make disciples of all men because as we make disciples, we're actually multiplying our efforts and not, you know, expecting everybody to just be like us, but we want them to be like Jesus. We should centralize our lives around Jesus. But then when people come to know the Lord, we want to teach them to know his voice so that they don't have to depend upon us. You see, the church should be an equipping place, not a place of control where we dictate to people what they should do with their lives, but we want to teach people how to hear from God and obey the plans that he has for their lives. A man named Putty Putman, in an article, Centralization, Decentralization, and the Future Church, back in November of 2020 wrote this I believe that this trend is actually just getting started with the covid season pushing more people to interact with their churches online I believe we'll see a shift in the relationship many have with their church as they adopt a more digital relationship with the church many believers won't shift their expectations for what church is, and will eagerly return to involvement in physical congregations as soon as they're able to. But another slice of many believers will find like they are experiencing church more in the less involved digital delivery fashion. Now this is really amazing that this brother saw this ahead while Zoom meetings and, you know, people were in lockdown all around the world. They couldn't gather together for different reasons. But the fact of the matter is, I believe the whole COVID season was not only an attack against bodies, but an attack against the body of Christ internationally. You know, the enemy wants to slow down the Great Commission, because he knows the Bible better than we do. He's heard it for thousands of years. He knows God to be faithful to his word. And he knows that as the church preaches the gospel and prepares the way for Jesus' second coming, that Jesus will not come again until all have heard or had the opportunity to hear the gospel and obey it. And when that happens, we know that the enemy will be thrown into an abyss, will be judged for his actions that he took against the body of Christ. And so I believe COVID was an attack against evangelism, against missions around the world, not just against physical bodies, although it was terrible what happened to many people. But still, there was a fear that developed inside the church that I believe God wants to set us free from because he's told us that he's not given us A spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind, that we should understand the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, so that as we walk in peace, we will be consumed by it. We will not be consumed by the attacks of this world and what demonic power may throw against the body of Christ, the church. In Acts eight, we know that Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus was saying this to give the church a purpose and a direction, that the church should be started in Jerusalem. You know, there's only really one city in the Bible that, in, in the world that matters to God more than every other place in the world. Now, I mean, God, everybody matters to God. But God says that he has put his, you know, thumbprint, that his heart is on Jerusalem. Why? Because the gospel started in Jerusalem. His people Israel come from there and the gospel is always gone to the west throughout history and now we see the gospel hovering over asia in spectacular ways some of the greatest revival we see in the history of the world is taking places and uh, taking place in uh, locations like china the underground church and the gospel spreading isn't it interesting that all this COVID stuff, you know, people talk about how it all started from China. You know, I don't know all the conspiracies and all the reality of that. But what I do know is that there is such an attack against the gospel because the gospel started in Jerusalem and it will end in Jerusalem. And I believe that as we are preaching the gospel, we're preparing the way for the second coming of the Lord so that We can see him come, and the works of darkness will be judged, as I've said. So let me give you a definition of what it means to decentralize. It means to transfer, like control of an activity or organization, to several other local offices or authorities rather than one single one. So we're not just trying to say that our organization our denomination, our local church should be the central point of where everything comes out from. Obviously the church is a training ground. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But the church should be multiplying. The church should not be just focused on a building or a location. But the church should be focused and centralized around Jesus and as we're all filled with the Holy Spirit we can decentralize the church from from a location to centralizing it around a person so that we can impact places and people without being hindered by a location or a building you know a further definition of decentralized means to move departments a large organization away from a single administrative center to other locations and so this is why jesus said that he's given all of us the great commission that all of us have are given the holy spirit so that we can make an impact around the world you know the purpose of decentralizing even revival from a location to centralizing revival to being upon jesus this helps us as a church become missions-minded, not bound, not limited, or stagnating in a location. If you look at like um, a pond or a lake, it's a pool of water, but unless water's flowing in and water flowing out of it, everything in that pond or lake isn't going to survive. Fish will not survive in that place. You you need water flowing in and out. And so, you know, the, the church, the body of Christ is like a river. It's like a stream, you know, in the book of Psalms, it says, you know, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. God is in that stream. God is in that river. Jesus said that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In fact, in John 4, when he ministered to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, he said that salvation is like a fountain of living water, you know, flowing up from within you. And then later on in the book of Luke, when Jesus is referring to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he said it'll be like a river of living water flowing from your belly. And so your fountain is your salvation experience of what you have when you're born again. But there's a river that should be coming from you and I, those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus. The church is called to be a river, not a pond. Right now in the world, we, we have government systems, many different government systems, and I believe God can use any system because he's not bound by any system. That's why he tells us as a church to put our faith in him and to not worry or be anxious But even if there's persecution to know that he's with us and will never leave us or forsake us. But right now in the world we see socialism. And socialism is a government system that teaches people to centralize and depend upon big government. And this breeds atheism. Because if you depend on men, then men can dictate to you what you should and should not do with your life. That's not freedom. And we know that freedom is giving people the ability to choose who and what they want to worship. And God is just like that as well. He put two trees in the garden with Adam and Eve and said, You can eat of this tree, but don't eat of that tree. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die because you will be sinning against me. That's what sin is, breaking the commandment of God you know, disobeying what God asks us to do. And then there's consequences for that sin. And so socialism just breeds atheism because if we depend upon men, then it corners us to make us feel like there is no God. Democracy around the world decentralizes authority or government to de- and teaches us to depend upon the will of the people and it always supports monotheism. So where you see a true democratic nation, you see that there is support for monotheism. I'm not saying everybody is a Christian or everybody worships one God. They're still atheists, even in Democrat. But you have the right to choose to be an atheist or a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim, no matter what you are, or a Hindu. The fact is, is that governments should be elected by people and are to work for the people. Because we are all the same. But based upon money, based upon titles, based upon influence and power, is why people have these trips where they feel like they should be in authority over others. And I do believe that God raises up specific people to lead us in authority. But if those people do not have biblical values, then they will not breed or lead in a way that breeds freedom in a country or a community. You know, there's no perfect man-made government structure. However, we should learn how to lean into structures which promote freedom and value the church. The only true government... (laughs) structure that will really work is when Jesus is centralized as king. So what are we talking about? We're talking about that if we are taught to centralize our lives around Jesus, then we will actually be promoting freedom. But if we do not, and we are taught to, to centralize our lives upon government, upon systems, upon structures, in and out of the church My friend, we're not promoting freedom. We're promoting control. And I am all for discipleship and training and equipping. As we raised our kids, they needed to be taught borders. And a new believer should not just be given authority right away. But the fact is that we need to teach people that they can hear from God for themselves. That the word of God was written so that every single one of us would have the ability to choose how we uh, hear from God and we learn from each other. That's what discipleship is. But we ultimately point people in the direction of Jesus so that they too can walk with God with or without anybody else around. Obviously, God has given the church and he says, forsake not the assembling of each other. I don't believe God was talking about including Zoom meetings. And if you have to do that, that's great. But the fact is we should be coming together. But when we come together, we don't come together to get Jesus. We bring Jesus with us as we come together. When you go to church, you bring Jesus with you. You don't go to church to get Jesus. Amen. You know, today's socialism and communism in the world, I believe, is a direct attack upon Jesus Christ and his church, the body. The church is called to honor Governing officials, as it says in Romans 13, were to pray for them, whether they're Christians or not. Yet the church must never allow Jesus to be replaced by some government structure or system, whether, again, it be in our organization or national government. We pray for those in authority, but the fact of the matter is we still have to value the word of God above every other document above every other you know ideology that is out there we must prioritize Jesus and his word now maybe governments aren't perfect and don't have all believers in Leadership, but that's why we are to pray for them that God will move in their hearts. There's so many times through scripture when we've seen godly people leading and we see ungodly people leading. But the fact is God is still reigning from heaven. And He's in authority and control. And that's why He says, If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways, then what I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. God knows how to set people up and tear people down. And the church isn't called to just tear people down with our tongue, but to pray for our leaders. And if we are centralizing our lives around Jesus, then the church is going to have a mind to multiply, whether we're under a government that promotes what we believe in or not. So recently, there's been this revival in Asbury, Kentucky, uh, Asbury University, I should say, in Kentucky, and it lasted for maybe two or three weeks. And the leaders of this university felt that they should decentralize this revival because so many people came to this small town of Wilmore, Kentucky. I think it was like maybe 8,000 is the population of this small town. And then it grew to like close to 50,000 people within two to three weeks because through social media, people are hearing about revival. And they prayed and they saw the revival break out and go to other universities, college campuses, you know, churches, youth groups in different parts of the United States and around the world. And it was amazing how this thing blew up so quick. And yet their town could not handle the crowds that were coming in. So, what they felt to do was to stop the meetings. Because if they didn't, it would overwhelm their town and students who were paying to go to university there. Now, friends, we were a part of the Brownsville Revival, which was a central location where people came from and took the gospel all around the world. That they were born again, they got right with God, they got empowered, and they went to where they came from. People came from all over. That was before social media. And I thank God that we can use things like social media for his kingdom. But the fact is that God doesn't need it. And so we have to trust that we don't want to, we have to trust God to not manipulate people in expanding revival just because we can share and people can see video clips and hear exciting testimonies and stuff. We want to stir people for revival, I believe, it's not God's desire to just have revival in one central location. He wants it to spread and go around the world. That's why he said originally to the church, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, there wasn't supposed to be a stopping point. There wasn't supposed to be this parking place of revival where we just stop and we say, this is it, and everything centralizes around this. No, the whole purpose of the church is to centralize around Jesus and and take the gospel out. Praise God. It's not to sit still. And and, and hold on to w- the experiences we have. And just talk about those same experiences. And not believe God for more testimonies. For more breakthroughs. Listen. We are to personally sit still at the feet of Jesus. But we're not as a church body. Called to just Always. Be in the same place at the same time without equipping people. Listen, the greatness of a church is not its seating capacity. The greatness of, its church, of a church is its, is its sending capacity. And I'm not saying that if you're working and staying uh, in your local church and being faithful that that's not what God wants. I'm saying that we need to be a missions-minded people. The gospel has to get to the nations. And if you're called to stay, then you have to make sure that what God has called you to do, you're being faithful in a place of prayer, in a place of supporting uh, those who are going out and taking the gospel uh, locally, internationally. It doesn't matter. The gospel must go forth. Why? Because Jesus said that when he returns, it'll be because the church has taken the gospel And spread it around the world. I believe as even the leadership in Asbury decentralized revival that this is going to help us take a stand against the spiritual tyranny and demonic powers that we're facing. See so many people in I know in America, say, you can have your church, just stick it in that building and don't try and do anything outside the building. And and there's this intimidation factor, right? You can't be the church outside the building. And that's so ridiculous because the enemy wants us to idolize a mindset that doesn't come from uh, biblical standards. I believe in local church. I value local church. I think it's so important for discipleship processes and things that take place. But the fact is, my friend, is that so many of us look to one place every week to go to, and we don't become witnesses for Jesus. We don't share our faith. We don't grow. We become stagnant like a pond, and instead of being a river that God can flow through. Listen, there's a balance to it all. I get it of being faithful and doing what God's called you to do. I don't believe everybody's supposed to be a missionary overseas. But what I do believe, my friend, is that we are called to be faithful with what God puts in front of us. And we must have the mindset of go, 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 go ye therefore, and take the gospel to all creation. You know, when we speak of one world government, we're not thinking about uh, just powerful and wealthy people only, but government ideologies which are influenced by the spirit of Antichrist. I believe the spirit of Antichrist wants the church to just stay in a building and wants the church to be intimidated, wants to shut the church down, be six feet distance, wearing masks all the time and and being intimidated and fearful. That is not the body of Christ. That's not boldness. That's not courage, my friend. And while we want to listen to the scientists and the government and we're trying to listen, unfortunately, I believe around the world, there was a ton of government control that was overreaching into telling the church that we're not essential to where people could go buy alcohol people could go to clubs and yet you couldn't go to church you couldn't sing in the church because it, it was dangerous my friend look we're not talking about a black plague we're talking about a flu that was bad and people died i had friends who died people that we loved and a lot of these people have pre-existing conditions. But the reality is, as we look in retrospect right now, we have to recognize that the gospel has to go forth. People died without Jesus. And, and people found it was hard for them to find Christians who were supposed to be the light and the salt of the earth. Because we were so busy trying to save ourselves and protect ourselves. As missionaries, we were stuck in the U.S. for almost three years. And we traveled. We preached. We went out. We shared the gospel. And I'm not saying we were just rebellious. We we honored people. You know, we honored even local states that we went to that had different laws in America. And to share the gospel with people and re- respect with the mass and stuff like that, whatever. All I'm saying, friend, is that we have a responsibility to take the gospel out. And we cannot be intimidated to just hold it in and and live in fear for the rest of our lives. Listen, without the church being the moral conscience of society, we're in danger of losing our freedoms to become spiritual and physical slaves in the world. Listen, when revival in the church takes place, it awakens the world's conscience to value morality, life, freedom, and truth. There's so much I want to talk about when it comes to decentralizing on, you know, just a location and systems, but centralizing our lives around Jesus. Because the more that we do that, my friend, we let Jesus have his way He is the head of the church. As much as I believe in pastors and uh, evangelists, prophets, teachers, apostles, all of those things, I don't believe that they are called to just sit in authority above the rest of the church. No, the greatest among you shall become servant to all. And so we're called to equip the church for ministry. We're not called to, to tell everybody where to go and what to do. We are called to disciple people and help them grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is and develop in the calling and the purpose. And then we send them out and we say, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to fulfill the purpose of God. Whether that be in a local church or somewhere else internationally, God has a plan and a purpose for all of our lives. I want to finish up here. Dr. Michael Brown, when he talked about the leadership at Asbury, he said they handled this revival with great wisdom. I absolutely believe that they are making the right decision and decentralizing very quickly. You know, Charles Finney also said that revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. So revival isn't just about having meetings. It's about something that takes place in us personally. And as we personally get revived, then something happens to the people around us, our family, the church. And we start to realize that it's time for us to move on and see People come to Jesus and be discipled. Listen, my friend, I I still have so much more I'd love to share with you today. But I want to encourage you, centralize your life around Jesus. Decentralize from the world. Give yourself fully over to the purposes of God, of what he's called you to do. Submit yourself to those leaders that that God has given you in the church, in the body of Christ, whatever country you're listening from. Honor those in authority. Pray for them. But friend, never allow any other voice or any other documentation to become a ruler of your life the way that the Bible should lead us and guide us into all truth. The way that the Holy Spirit should guide His church. Listen, I bless you. Experience personal revival. Get more of God and go after Him and help build His church because Jesus is coming back again. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.